listening to Infertility and Beyond. We are your hosts, Amy and Sasha. For us, it has not been easy trying to conceive. Come join us on this journey as we talk all things infertility, share our stories and the stories of others, bring you information surrounding fertility treatments, grief, and everything in between. We are here to connect and empower women as they navigate all things infertility and beyond. Let's get into today's episode. so excited to be here today recording this little Q&A episode. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. We've had a few little questions drip feeding through over the week, so it'll be good to um, answer them all in one little episode for you. Yeah, so thanks for everybody that sent in a Q&A. Um, well, not a Q&A, just a Q. <laughs> a DM. <laughs> a DM. So yeah. You slid into our DMs. <laughs> yeah. And some of them were a little bit um, similar. So, like, we've tried to kind of make it as broad as possible and, yeah, do as much as we can um, with also keeping to a very good time frame for you all. Yeah, we don't <laughs> we want to blabber on for too long. And um, if there's any other questions that eventuate from what we're talking about today, please just reach out to us in the DMs and, yeah, we can definitely clarify any other topics that you need to know about. Awesome, but let's do Ash's fertility fact for the week. All right, guys. So this one's a little bit weird, but we like weird here. Yeah, <laughs> we are we're middle we name are, is we weird. are the definition of weird. When I read this, I went, "Oh, that's a bit weird." But anyway, so this is about babies and teeth. So about one in every two thousand babies are born with teeth. These are natural teeth and sometimes need to be removed by a doctor. They can be painful for the mother during breastfeeding, obviously, and they can also be dangerous to the baby's health. There's a risk that they may be dislodged and inhaled. Whoa. Oh my God, what? Crazy, right? Wait, so oh. surely they're, they're just like obviously baby teeth. I would say that it's like a couple of teeth from what I like when I was Googling this. It's like when I was doing my research. the odd one or two teeth. Yeah. Wow, and if it if it loses it, then it can swallow Inhale it and die. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, it could probably oh. choke on a tooth or something. Cause yeah, because it would small... be so tiny. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's really yeah. interesting. But can you imagine how painful your first oh, try at breastfeeding yeah. and there's a tooth? They're already cracked and just wounded and in the battlefields of hell. <laughs> and, you know, and then you throw a little sharp canine in there. Well, obviously it's not a dog, so it's not, <laughs> it's not a canine. But a, a little a little baby tooth. A little like little vampire thing. So yeah, that's crazy. And do they have so they have three sets of teeth then technically? Like if you pulled that out then Well it have... wouldn't be a set. Because it's well, just yeah, like a little rogue one that's yeah. little yeah. I'd say that most of the time they would have to be removed by the doctor and oh, that maybe would just get break to keep their first baby doll, tooth. Wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like how would hey, you even go like you can't put a baby under and then it How'd you go about removing a baby's teeth? That would honestly be very traumatic yeah. for like the baby as well as you. <laughs> if anyone knows anyone who's, or maybe you were born with teeth, yeah, reach out us. to us, please. Tell I would love story. to know. Like, think about how some moms get weird about like cutting baby's hair for the first time. Yeah, imagine pulling their first teeth. <laughs> Not you, pulling. Amy. You'll be like, I'll be trimming that shit from, like, <laughs> from a young age. Yeah, um, and yeah, so let alone like pulling out little little teethies. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that's interesting. Um, let's get into today's episode. Do you want to kick us off with a uh, question? Yes, I absolutely do. So, 
First one, Sash, any tips post IVF transfer techniques that think you think helped? Mm, interesting. I mean, I have bloody feel like I've done so many transfers. So You've done a couple now. <laughs> I've done a bloody few. What helped you cope um, mentally though? Like what do you reckon like Oh, I definitely think um rest. So rest after it. I know that a lot of research says that, you know, you can sort of just go back to your everyday life and go back to work and everything but I think it's just so emotionally draining leading up to a transfer so it's so nice to just honor your body and go home and just do nothing like my last two transfers I've literally just gone home and sat on the couch and like binge watched Netflix for the day and not felt guilty at all Mm. um I know my first transfer I was like in a course in Brisbane city and went in after and it sort of felt weird because yeah I felt like I just needed to be calm and, you know. Mm. And then I also have done the whole, like, Macca's fries, old wives tale thing. (laughs) I don't know if that actually works. I think that's just, like, a funny thing to do. Um, But I have read that eating pineapple core at room temperature is really good. So um, I have prepared something here because I'll probably butcher it. But um, apparently it's an anti-inflammatory agent and research suggests that promaline (laughs) encourages the immune system to move away from an inflammatory state which could possibly help women with implantation issues caused by inflammation so like pcos and that kind of stuff and even food like heaps of foods um are inflammatories for us so apparently the enzymes in pineapple core is really good for that so yeah i found that quite interesting and you were saying too that like you were eating specific like specific foods before yes. the transfer because of inflammation. <clears throat> I mean, you have PCOS, so you are probably more inflamed than some. Maybe. Yeah, I was just trying to eat. So um, I read that things like avocados and nuts and seeds and um, those healthy omega-3 fatty acids were really good for implantation to support implantation. So um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I think for peace of mind, if you know that you're doing everything that you can, then... You're not it it helps you mentally. Yeah. Um, so if there is a failed cycle, um, like I know going into my second transfer, I was really upset and depressed and was drinking heaps of wine just to cope with like anxiety and stuff. So I don't think I was the healthiest version of myself going into that transfer. So, you know, that always plays in the back of my mind as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's just if you're doing all the right healthy things um, leading up to it. It's hard because you're on these hormones that just make you feel like shit and make you feel like you're getting your period and you're like all like sluggish and you want to eat all those carby foods. So, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> I remember um, my acupuncturist told me to like eat heaps of like womb yeah type foods like really like bony broths and like she's like don't because i was having like a smoothie every day she's like don't have your smoothie have really warm hearty like soups and yeah yeah and very meaty yeah if i've you heard want that as well you're yeah. like lining and stuff to be thick and <laughs> bloody basically so lots of red meat and stuff like that and mm. yeah like you said i think rest is a massive one something we don't really do for ourselves and like don't go home and rest as in like potter around your house and do chores and just because you're not at work then you're resting like Mm. really just kick your feet up and lay on the couch and do nothing don't even like think about things that you have to be doing in life because I think so many times we 
aren't rest we're resting our bodies but we're not resting our minds mm. which you know can be exhausting so and like another thing is like i don't know depends if you like to meditate and stuff too but you could you could imagine yourself like you could do a meditation or you're not even in, if you're not if that's too woo woo for you and you just want to like literally just imagine like sit in a place with your eyes closed and imagine yourself you know becoming pregnant and what that looks like and how that makes you feel and basically like a form of manifestation i reckon like i used to always imagine um the first day I brought my like baby home and I would imagine what that would look like. And I remember that was like, bring brought me a lot of hope during my t- trying to conceive journey. So yeah, something like that. Mm, like you just really it's very calming. Yeah. Grounding. Just, you know, it's so easy for us to go straight to the negative. Like what if this doesn't work and what if that, and like, yes, that is a very, that could happen, but also what if it does work? And I always say, you know, just try to stay in that mentality. I know it's hard. That two yeah. weeks is hard and you keep going in and out of, and if you've had failed transfers or miscarriages or yeah. like it's only natural to um, try and think negative, but I mean, yeah. Well, you, you can. Otherwise, like, every day is going to be really hard. So mm-hmm. only you can make it, you know, easier and better. And yeah. I think like what someone said to me is like, if you like feel that feeling, like if you feel yourself feeling like that, that's okay. Acknowledge it, sit with it for a minute and then like dismiss it and and move forward from it like don't just constantly think it as much as you mm. can um i mean that's easier for said oh, than done it's but it's a slippery slope but if you keep you know dwelling on <clears throat> on that then mm. yeah I, I yeah i think it's a slippery slope so i yeah. hope that helped I yeah that was too much or not enough. <laughs> <laughs> no i think there's some good points in there all right so the next one amy so how did you find the procedure where you got your tubes flushed i think it's called a hycosis sorry if i am butchering that but was it painful did you have recovery how did you find it yeah so that procedure um i got done um basically at the start of my infertility workup um so basically it's just an ultrasound technique developed to assess whether the fallopian tubes are open or blocked and it usually is requested by a doctor um, like I said, as part as a, of a fertility assessment, basically to see if, yeah, your tubes are blocked and if there's, if that's the reason you're not falling pregnant, I didn't really, I went in with like, I didn't do any research. Honestly, I just went to the procedure thinking, oh yeah, it'll she'd be right. And, um, it was, yeah, I think it was pretty fine. Honestly, the lady said to me, I kind of like sat on the chair and she was like, okay, so, you know, explaining how she was going to do it, how she was going to flush this little, I think it was a little blue dot bubbly dye through you know through a catheter you know through my vagina and up into the uterus for like being tubes all that sort of stuff and she was um and then she kind of like sat back and she goes and if you feel really uncomfortable during this procedure that's totally normal and if you if you're feeling really lightheaded or faint if there's a lot of pain you know you'll after after we finish the procedure you know you can wait in the waiting room you know, we have a, we have a down room for you to like relax. So I was like, Oh my You're God. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. All of a sudden, I, was like, I didn't do any research basically. And like, then I was sitting there like, Oh yes, it's just going to be like a big pap smear. Next minute. I'm like, she's like, okay, so you might fear some. And like, and then I was like, Oh crap. Oh crap. So I was like going through that whole process, waiting to feel the pain. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel any pain. I was fine. Um, I think, Again, I could be wrong, but I think if you do have endometriosis and stuff and you are a little bit more inflamed in there, it could be more painful. Um, but I found the procedure quite quite comfortable. She kept checking with me and it was fine. Um, my tubes were all apparently open and working well. Um, and they kind of give you that, like, I guess, diagnosis on the day. Um, and, and if you have a polyp, does it is it meant to be painful as well? Polyp? Is that what it is? Oh, uh, polyp. Like, 
in an ultrasound that I, I did actually, they did find a polyp. Um, they said it was really, really low in my cervix at the time. And she said, oh, but it's so, it's so small and it's in such a weird position that I don't think that would be hindering your fertility. Uh, she was, you know, we could go and look at that again and, and maybe remove it. She's like, but you know, for something so small mm. at this stage, it doesn't seem necessary. And I was a bit like the same. I was like, oh no, let's just keep doing our tests and seeing what else it could be. Um, I do remember though that night... Um, so I went home, felt fine. And then that night in bed, probably like 10 hours later, I got some pretty hectic period pain, um, which I was like, did kind of freak out about a little bit. And I remember taking some Panadol and thinking, if this doesn't subside with the Panadol, like I might just go up to the hospital, go, you know, just to precautionary. Um, but basically, yeah, once I'd taken the Panadol, um, that was enough. It was enough. Of, yeah. I think it was like Panadine Ford or something yeah. or whatever. And then I just kind of fell asleep. It was pretty late. And, um, that was it. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I had, I know somebody who got the same procedure done and I think they put this, um, they call it like fertility honey or something and it helped, it can help with, um, like implantation and stuff. I don't think I got that. I'm not sure if she did hers separately or whatever, because she she was one who kind of was talking to me about it. Because mm. um, what's the actual process? So is it sort of like a pap smear, but then they put the catheter in your vagina? Yeah. And then, and does that sort of part hurt? Or it just sort of feels a bit uncomfortable? Yeah, like it's kind of like, kind of like, sort of like a transfer. transfer. Yeah, right. Like a transfer, yeah. So, but... Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> You're it. White rabbit. <laughs> You're um, it. I don't know. We're not playing Tiggy, mate. Tag. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, oh. All right. So Sasha, what's the next question? So Sasha, what is it like to take medication to increase your ovulation? What did you have? Was there any side effects? Yeah. So um, the medication that I personally took was letrozole. Um, I mean, it, it's not horrible, but it's it doesn't come at no cost. So um, I remember I was quite dizzy and feeling very like brain foggy like I felt very out of it there was times where I was like oh god and then it it made me feel extremely tired had a little bit of nausea and I was so emotional like and moody (laughs) so like I was just all over the shop so I guess like similar to your other IVF medications and and I've heard that everyone's like extremely different um Mm. just like uh in our episode with Danica she had a really bad side effect and got those hematoma cysts um, so I didn't have anything crazy like that. It was more so just, yeah, just the dizziness that like at one point I felt like I couldn't really drive. Um, mm. I was at work and I was like, Oh God, I'm not really going to be able to drive home. But, um, yeah, you only take it for five days. So you take one tablet on day two of your cycle for five days. And it actually blows my mind that, um, it brings on ovulation, what, 14 days later. And then mm. I had a 28 day cycle that month. And the medication is used for like breast cancer, yeah, like chemotherapy and stuff. Yeah, like, when you start googling, you're like, "Why am I taking?" Oh, this? I was a bit worried at first. Like I was like, "Oh god, like side effects." And um, but yeah, it worked really great for me. I had a really strong, good like ovulation on it um, for the two months that I was taking it. But like I said in my episode, Jara's um, sperm quality wasn't up to scratch. So she pretty much said, "If you keep taking it, like you're gonna send yourself crazy." Not from the side effects. I mean, they wouldn't be great, but just more so thinking that you could be pregnant every month when you're mm. like, there's not really a chance that you would be. So, I mean, I didn't have a bad experience. Um, it's definitely 
um, unnecessary evil for sure for mm. anyone that just has that ovulation issue. So wh- how so did you find like with PCOS? Yeah, well, I yeah I found it pretty. I didn't have many side effects at all, and I found it fine because you took it for two months as well. Didn't yeah. You? Yeah, no, the actual drug itself was fine, but I, I don't think you're supposed to take it for long periods of time. I did read something about, like, because obviously it's, you know, you... It uh, probably messes with other things uh, yeah, in your body, especially if it's for, like, chemotherapy and yeah, stuff like that. Like, I can't imagine it's really... Yeah, because I was not only planning on taking it for a couple of months anyway, and then, I guess, looking at my next option. Um, yeah, I think, it, like you said, if you have PCOS and you know you're not ovulating properly, I reckon it'd be great. I mean, mine is different. I, have, I was ovulating, so... Mm. You know, for me, I don't, I don't know. I think it's like the first option the fertility specialist put you on. And when you go into the fertility specialist and you're not really ready for IVF yet, it's great to have that stepping stone. Um, but yeah, obviously it didn't work for us. So mm. we're not, yeah, I think it has its place definitely. Um, but yeah. All right. So Amy, any tips on how to stay positive during your trying to conceive journey? If you haven't been diagnosed with a particular infertility related issue like, you know, PCOS or endo. Yeah. So like my fertility journey, I feel like for a long time I was in denial because everyone kept saying, oh, nothing's wrong with you. Just keep trying. It's going to happen. Um, and I read something the other day that we're to- we, there's a stigma about like 12 months. If you've been trying for 12 months, you can get help from your doctor and then you've got these problems. But that's kind of like the old way of thinking. Like if you're actually actively trying and you're young Mm -hmm. and you're tracking your cycle, you're peeing on ovulation sticks, you know, you're doing everything right and you know you are, it shouldn't take you 12 months to fall pregnant. I Mm. think depending on what doctor and what specialist you talk to these days. Generally something's wrong. Like if it's taken 12 months, like there's a a piece of the puzzle that's missing. Yes, correct. Most people who have taken 12 months, you don't hear too – I mean, there definitely would be, but there's probably more so by the – 12 month mark people are getting assistance with either the tube flushing or they're getting mm. the letrozole or you know there's there's obviously people there's that some do sort still of intervention yeah. yeah um but yeah the kind of this article was just basically saying that in the like 12 months 12 sorry 12 months when our parents were trying to conceive but they didn't have ovulation trackers and mm. apps and you know ovulation sticks and stuff so they didn't have what we have and the knowledge that we have so you know um but basically, because, yeah, trying to conceive and people are saying there's nothing wrong, um, I honestly thought I was crazy. I was like, well, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe, we're, like, we're doing something wrong. Am um, I thinking about it too much? Yeah. Do I just need to, like... When people say, I'm just stressed. stressing. Yeah. I'm, like, like, oh, I'm not stressed, body. Come on, <laughs> give me a baby. <laughs> and um, and then I remember we did the letrozole. <clears throat> that was it for me. I was like, oh, this is it. We're going to be pregnant because we don't have anything wrong with us. We mm. just needed this one little Like, pill. maybe you just weren't ovulating, like, strong enough or something. Yeah. You know? And then when that didn't work out, um, obviously. So, actually, I haven't even said how I'm staying positive in this time. I've just said <laughs> But basically, I, what I'm trying to say is that through that journey, I was in denial. And then I wasn't positive. I was very um, negative. I was honestly like, well, you know, yeah, I got so detached from the process of actually having a baby that I felt like mm. I was doing all this stuff to have a baby. Doing everything right. Eating perfectly. Not exercising too much, but exercising enough, you know sleeping and I was doing I thought I was like a saint and then um not still not getting pregnant I probably got quite like depressed at that point um but then I personally for me it was a situation change it was mm. when I decided to do IVF which was kind of come up because you back. had hope you know yeah, yeah 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 I had hope that like something's gonna be different and I'm not 
I'm no longer the only person driving this ship or me and Aaron aren't the only people driving this ship blind, basically. This doctor deals with people with infertility issues all day, every day, mm. and he is going to help us and we will get a baby. What that looked like, I never knew. Like I didn't know. I'm very blessed and very grateful it's happened so mm. quickly. But at that time, honestly, yeah, there was a time there I've detached myself from being um, thinking I was going to get pregnant. And then, yeah, but I just honestly also think like stay to how to stay positive <laughs> i think if you were doing a lot of journaling and meditation i yeah. think that would bring you out of like your dark yeah. holes just from speaking to and you talking to people talking yeah to people. i think once i started opening up once yeah. i once i actually was comfortable with the fact that that was my reality and then i started talking to other people about it um and getting almost off my chest and, and learning about their stories as well that was really helpful for me so i think if yeah if you are in that journey and you're feeling alone open up to the right people, um, you know, get in and educate yourself on podcasts, but also don't get too stuck on like Googling and like rabbit holing and like, mm. you know, all these fertility. Cause like, I, I think I diagnosed myself with some pretty messed up stuff just because of the symptoms that I thought yeah. that I had. And like, obviously I don't have any of that, but at the time I just wanted someone to tell me something that was wrong with me. Yeah. You wanted to be able to relate to something, even if it was negative or positive, yeah. you just like, you just wanted answers. Yeah. So, and I feel yeah. like most people are like that. Like if you have a problem, is as good or bad as it is at least mm. you can know how to fix it whereas we never really found out but to be completely transparent now that i am pregnant i don't want to say i don't care like i do care but i'm not fixated on that anymore mm. like at the end of the day it doesn't really matter in the end so mm. but everyone's different i'm for sure <clears throat> all right so sasha how do you manage so many tests scans and appointments during an ivf cycle with working full-time and do you feel up to working with the medications and the procedures that you've had to have? Um, so I actually only just up recently told my boss that I was trying to conceive and trying to have a baby. I actually started a new job in March, the month before we did our first round of IVF. So I felt, um, I don't know, I felt like I couldn't really be open um, we, we had a really good relationship from the beginning. But, you know, when you just start a new job and you think like, you're not going to get opportunities because they think you're just going to be out the door, you know, in seven, eight months, whenever you're, you know, get, get it gone to your maternity leave. So I just had all these things in the back of my head, even though knowing we had already been trying for like, I don't know, 12 months, I still just didn't feel comfortable telling them. So I remember the first round of IVF, um, I mean, I think it helped that my boss was quite flexible and all my blood tests and my scans were first thing in the morning. Like my clinic was on the way to my workplace. So I didn't have to do any, um, I didn't really have to do any during work hours. However, like my egg collection, I had to have a day off, um, which I just, I think I just said that it was just cause I needed to do something or, um, but I remember you were pretty stressed. Like I remember at one point because there was like, you know, you're like, Oh, a collection might be on this day or this day. And if it's on this day, I've got like a, you had like a work conference or something. Yeah. I was have... in, I was actually in a training course. So I was doing my advanced diploma in procurement and contracting. Um, so yeah, it was something that was pretty important to me. And it, there was like, uh, it was like the last three days of the, of the course, the workshop, it, it had to be in person. So I was stressing about that. And cause I guess the, the cycles are so out of your control with dates and everything. I was trying to predict when my collection would be and how my body would respond. And, and it's honestly the worst fucking thing you can do because when one thing stuffs up, like, you know, when I initially had my 
um, cycle cancelled because my egg collection was going to be on um, the Easter weekend, I was like devastated because I was like, oh, what do you mean? I've like thought that it was on this day and this day. And you just, you have high hopes for yourself. So that's one thing I definitely recommend is don't get attached to the dates and try and pre-plan everything until you have it on your planner in front of you, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, so on the transfer day, like I said, my first transfer, I literally went in, got the transfer and then I drove to Brisbane and went to my course, which looking back now, I'm like, I mean, I didn't really have a choice cause I had to go to the course, but my second one, I went home and I relaxed. And, um, so that was really good. And I'm pretty sure I was just really lucky in the way that I knew further enough in advance that I could ask for a day off. Um, so I work for the government. So we also, whenever I work longer hours, I, I get extra time where I can take, you know, RDOs off and stuff. Um, and I do work longer hours sometimes. So I'm lucky and have that available to me. So yeah, I guess it was, it was pretty good with me. Um, and then, yeah, recently I told my boss and she's been super supportive and I can't believe how great it's been I never would have thought that I would have gotten the support that I've gotten from telling her and now it's just so nice to be able to tell her when I'm going through my different stages or another transfer I'm, I'm at this point in my cycle so um you know if you do have a good relationship with your boss like I do think you know sort of getting over that scared feeling is good mm-hmm. um with the medication though like in regards to that question like I feel like when you were on your um estrogen tablets yes, to start of you course. had to go home and like you're really yeah alone. so the first time that I um took the estrogen tablets which is what you need to take to do a frozen embryo transfer I started getting like really bad headaches and they were turning into migraines and I actually sort of thought that I had a virus at first because I don't know I, I didn't really get really bad side effects to the um injections like I didn't really have any side effects except for just being a bit emotional and then like bloated from the progesterone so um yeah I was really blindsided by the fact that I would um have such extreme side effects and yeah I spent like days in in bed and I remember I had deadlines for stuff so I was still trying to log on and do stuff on my computer it was really a time where I couldn't really just have time off sick Mm. um yeah, so that really sucked. And I also, when I did um, it the second round, I, I, for some weird reason, thought that I wasn't going to have side effects. I don't know. I think I thought, like, <laughs> oh, my body's, like, used, used to, to the it. estrogen. <laughs> Even though I had stopped taking the estrogen because I had a miscarriage. But I don't know. Idiot. Because, yeah, it fucked me right up again. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, luckily then I had, like, I had told my boss so I could say, like, oh, yeah, so I worked out that last time it was estrogen, not like a viral infection that was like... Because I, at first I was, literally felt like my body was all achy because, you know, when you get migraines, you just... Um, so, yeah, the second time around I, I could have those chats with her and, and it was okay. So I, it's crazy. Like, I literally forget how bad it, it's been. Like, it's it's crazy how you just... You want Once to... you're on to the next stage, you kind yeah. of forget how crap that last stage was and you're just trying to move forward. And, yeah, you know. like there was times where I was – and I'm like a stressor, so I probably stressed over things that didn't need to be stressed about in regards to work and making things work and like People you know, being late to things and like asking for time off and, mm. you know, and really when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, it was so fine. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, this next one is a similar question, but it's very tailored to you, Amy. So this is a listener write-in. Um, my husband and I are starting IVF soon, and my biggest worry isn't about IVF. It's about how I'm going to do it all while working. I'm a self-employed hairdresser, so standing all day and can't just leave work without having to reschedule appointments. Just literally you. Literally. I hear ya. <laughs> yeah, like... um. Yeah, I, I was a little bit worried as well. I tried to, obviously being self-employed, I'm sure you're probably the same. In saying that though, you've probably booked out for months. So it's hard to tailor. Like I remember thinking, oh yeah, I'll just book less clients that week. But again, depending on what your cycle's like and when you start, you can't always have that luxury of you know knowing exactly what week is going to fall on so that you make sure you don't book too many clients in. But I guess my suggestion would be, yeah, don't book too many clients that week. Like, give yourself... Like, once you know the dates. Once like you know the dates, if like you reschedule can. reschedule a few. Reschedule like or... be kind to yourself. Yeah, literally. Or I, I also just had a message done up that I just was going to send out to anyone. And I didn't really have to use it that much. Like, I honestly just powered on through. Um, but, you know, a message that you could, if you're just like, you know what, I'm just so... I just can't do one, you know, I'm just exhausted or I'm not feeling well, um, that you can just like, you know, copy paste and send and you're not thinking. Cause I think that's the hardest thing as hairdressers or most people, you know, you know, you're people pleaser, you don't want to let people down. And I used to always like be typing a message to a client if I was feeling unwell or, you know, sick or whatever. And I'd get halfway through typing and I'm like, Oh, just suck it up. Amy. you can, you can do it. But that's mm. not, one more client could be another three or four hours worth of work. So it's not like you're like, just a quick haircut, you know? So I'd just say, yeah, decrease your workload. Um, Don't feel guilty if you have to. Yeah. This is your baby. This is your future. This is what, you know, you're, you and you're, it's so important to you. And I know people literally cry over their hair, not getting done. Like literally they're like, Oh my God. But at the end of the day that, you know, they're, that's your, that, well, you're, you've got to focus on your, what your goal is. You're, you know, mm. spending a lot of time and money. And you want to look back and know that you've done everything mm. possible to, you know, get to a successful pregnancy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with that too, like I just had heaps of snacks. Um, <laughs> snacks. I always have snacks. But <laughs> I hate the snacks that they're ready. Um, if I, I try to at least book myself a lunch break, because I don't know about you, but I sometimes don't give myself lunch breaks properly. So I made sure I had some time to eat lunch and just to sit down um, and close my eyes. I didn't look at my phone. Like I feel like that's the other thing. Like, you know, when you have like a lunch break, we probably all do it. You're like, you're on your phone stimulated still and you're eating your lunch. I feel like when mm. I was like going through it and I was exhausted, I used to just like eat my food and then sit there with my eyes closed for 10 minutes until I had to, my next client would come. So 10 minute lunch break. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Some days it's 10, some days it's half an hour. I don't know. Depending on, depending on what the client wants, you know, if they booked in for half a head of falls and now they want a full head. You're like, when I come, my Excellent. big beast hair, you're like, clear my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a main to deal with. Rapunzel bitch hair's back. <laughs> uh, righty, So, how much roughly did IVF actually cost? What is the difference between the bulk build service versus private? What health fund benefits actually are actually covered and why you chose the path you did? So this is to both of you because you've both done bulk bill IVF. Um, well, basically me and Aaron just had a bit of a plan again because we didn't know what was wrong with us. Like we were like, well, our fertility specialist that we were seeing to do the letrozole and to do other fertility workups um, his was around ten to 12,000. And I remember thinking like, you know, okay, we can afford to do that. But, you know, I've also heard a lot of people that have said, you know, it doesn't always work the first time. Mm-hmm. So not, so knowing that and thinking, oh my gosh, it could be, you know, 12 times, two times, three times. I was a bit like, wow, I don't want, I didn't want financial to be a, a pressure. And, and look, some people can't 
do bulk billing because um, you know there are certain categories. Oh, there's some thunder. Oh, the girl's getting scared. A- Amy's dog Millie is the girl, <laughs> and she doesn't like storms. And there's she a big storm coming. Her head up, and she was like, "Mum, I can oh, hear the doll. Um, so we hear some panting. It's it's not Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dog. <laughs> Probably Sasha too. <laughs> I do um, breathe quite heavily sometimes. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we just thought yeah to take that financial pressure off, and because we had unexplained infertility. Um, that we'd start with bog billing first, give it a couple of rounds, see what happens. And if that wasn't going to work, we decided we'd go back to our um, fertility specialist. And the only real difference that fertility specialists do is they obviously do a lot more investigating. Like, you know, they can do the genetic testing, um, you know, they can do your laparoscopy surgeries and stuff like that. So I think, for, but not the beginning, not knowing, um, yeah, we were just lucky that we were able to get into bulk bill, but that's, like I said, not always an option for everybody. Mm. Um, so that was kind of our plan. What was your plan, Sash? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I had seen a fertility specialist as well, Dr. Tina Fleming on uh, the Gold Coast. She was great. She was the one that put me through the IVF. Uh, sorry, the IVF. Wow. Um, the Letrozole and suggested that we start on IVF. And yeah, her prices, I think, were around 10000 And she did say that you do get about 4000 back from Medicare, but I still think you have to fork out that initial amount. Um, so yeah, from there, I sort of was like, oh no, I'm going to like do the whole natural thing and we're not going to do IVF yet. And we're just going to see how we go. Um, Because, you know, that is a big, huge chunk of money. And like you said, it's not guaranteed each time. So that was in the back of my head. And um, so then a few months later, I think I found out about the bulk billing IVF. And I was the same. I thought, you know, might as well just try the cheaper rounds a few times. And then you have peace of mind. And then I think by then you'd probably be like, fuck it. All right, I'm willing to pay the extra bit of money. But... Yeah, it is really hard to separate from a big chunk of money like that initially, especially for you when you had unexplained infertility, like you're sort of, and they're telling you like nothing's wrong, mm. you know, you've got, obviously got to consider that. So, um, yeah, at my clinic, my bulk billing clinic, which is called the Fertility Center, they're actually a um, little sister group, I guess like a branch under the Queensland Fertility Group. So that's their private agency. And a lot of the doctors, the, the specialists, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm laughing. Millie is. She's panting. She's not. She's in a bad way. The storm. Oh, honey. <laughs> she put it in the microphone. So I can hear. <laughs> we should have licking laugh. and panting oh, so sorry. much. She sorry, guys. Sorry. sorry, guys. Um, yeah. So a lot of the specialists that work in that private section of the Queensland Fertility Group actually do the bulk billing work. So you're getting the same quality of care I guess level of care um, which is really great to know it's just that from my understanding is that you do your egg retrieval um, they don't put you under anesthetic and they don't do as many blood tests and scans I think when you're doing it um, privately they they give you a blood test or a scan like nearly every second day or something so um, whereas my blood tests were like every three days or every four days and then I only had one scan I believe um so that's a that's the difference, I guess. 
Um, but my procedure fee was around $1,100 and then the initial upfront cost of the fertility drugs was about 300. But then if you have a successful pregnancy, then they want you to be on the progesterone until around uh, 10 to 11 weeks. So, um, you just have to factor in those costs. So I think the progesterone pessaries that I was on, um, they were $66 for 30 and, um, I'm on three a day. So, I mean, every fortnight I was sort of spending about 135 to $150. And because I've had to do a few rounds that I feel like I'm constantly buying fucking fertility drugs. <laughs> You're like so, a regular there now. Yeah, like, I mean, we're up to nearly about $6,000 probably, even though the procedure fees are low, just because you factor in... Um, I mean, I, I also consider all the treatment that I get around acupuncture and like womb hara massage and, um, you know, all my supplements from my naturopath. Like whenever I have a miscarriage or I'm in between those cycles, I go to my naturopath and she gives me a herb tonic and a compound blend and all these extra things. So, um, it is exp- it is still expensive, but, um, definitely not as expensive as the private option. I know that if this next round doesn't work, then we are going to go see Dr. Keong, who is amazing. Like, I've heard amazing things about him. He's got um, really high success rates. However, a round of IVF with him is $14,000. So, um, you know, that is significant. And then on top of that, if you have to get any genetic testing, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much that would be. So um, I definitely think that if you're sort of – Wanting to dabble in the IVF space before, you know, paying for it privately, I think bulk billing is a really good option for you. However, they don't really offer, like, you know, if you need an egg or a sperm donor, you know, unfortunately, they can't do that for you. It has to be, like, you and your partner um, go in together, and it's really confronting. They actually make you sign all this documentation, and you have to decide if, you know, one of you was deceased, would you approve of the other person to still use your sperm or your egg or yeah, your embryo? Yeah, like, kind of weird, but then, like, of course you need to do stuff like that. Yeah. Because that can happen, but, still yeah. Still pretty confronting. Yeah, very confronting. Yeah. So, but, yeah, super grateful for the bog feeling. I've had a oh, really yeah. good experience with them. Um, like, if this next round doesn't work, then, yeah, we are going to go privately and just because – you know, that would be three. And I, I think that we would need to do more in-depth um, genetic testing. So... But can we just make a point to say it's not, not working because IV, the bulk billing IVF system no, isn't good? It's yeah, just it's, like, it's like, it's it's me. Like, it, well, or it it's, could it's be myself complications It could or... be, you know, it could be the batch. It could be, you know, like my GP, she said to me, like, she had to do IVF and she has PCOS. And she said that one of her rounds that she did, they got five embryos and they did genetic testing on all five and all five were bad. And so she said to me, she's like, imagine if I then tried to put all five of them inside me, like how much time that would take and, Mm. you know, so, but I do, um, something I probably should add as well is in the private world, the initial IVF round is, you know, that 10,000, 12,000, 14,000, whatever it is. However, you know, if you were to get 10 embryos out of that, when you do a frozen embryo transfer, I think it's only around the $2,000 mark. Yeah, so it's um, not ten thousand every time, but no. you have to keep going for yeah. Like, so if you didn't rounds. get if you didn't get enough eggs or enough embryos, then you'd obviously have to do a fresh round again, and that's where that cost can really um, build up, and especially if you have to do the extra testing and stuff. So yeah, yeah. sorry, I bloody 
went on about that one. And I think the like laparoscopy surgeries and stuff like that, I think like they, again, they differ. It depends if you have private health or if you're going Oh yeah, that's what we didn't really touch on, yeah. Like I, I've heard of people, um, yeah, going privately, also going publicly. Public weight is obviously varied. And then obviously um, privately you might have you know, some private health cover or you might have to pay. I think it's around well, six. Well, generally if you have like hospital cover on your private health, it, it should usually cover like gynecological and probably like a laparoscopic surgery. So I think you would just pay your excess. But I did look up um, wanting to get private health care and for us to have it added, uh, firstly, you have to have the cover for 12 months. And it's like, how, I was constantly like, how do I know if I'm not going to get pregnant in four months or six months i mean looking back now i'm like okay it's been like 19 months so <laughs> probably could have got it <laughs> however i did look at the um i guess the the money aspect of it like you're on it for 12 months and you're paying i think we were gonna pay an extra like 400 dollars a month for the cover and the things that were involved i was like oh am i gonna want to use that like it's like I don't know. I feel like it's worth it just to pay for those appointments. If you're going to pay for it in your healthcare fund anyway, mm. then, you know, it was going to bump out. I think we we're going to be paying $4,000 a year for private healthcare, which yeah. I was like, you know, so um, I, I personally don't have it covered under my private health, um, but I am covered for hospital and just extras. So mm-hmm. yeah, I chose to not go down that path. And I have, I have friends that have private and have gone private and they're like, Oh, I'm just going to go publicly for my next birth and stuff like that. Like the public system's actually so great in Australia these days. Yeah. yeah in Australia. So, um, yeah, I think like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have that money in my pocket, but we're pretty lucky. I'm pretty sure, um, IVF over in America is like even more expensive than yeah. the healthcare system. In America is completely, yeah, yeah. Completely, different. completely different to what we have. We're pretty lucky here in Australia. So lucky. All right. So this is a question for Amy. When you found out you were pregnant with your baby, how did you go? Um, things you did to help with the waiting game for your first doctor's visit, scans, results, etc. Yeah, well, at first I was like in shock and I was like, is this even real life? And I honestly thought for the first couple of weeks I was... Because you obviously don't feel pregnant, you don't look pregnant. The only thing knowing that you're pregnant is the fact that a test, like a pee sticker said yes and then the doctor's confirmation. So... You're kind of in this weird limbo land of like, okay, yeah, I'm pregnant, but all right, now what? Um, I just tried to like stay out of my head because I think there's so many things. And I, again, depending on, you know, your struggles and, you know, whether you've had miscarriages or what you've gone through, it's, I know it's so easy to say, easier said than done, but I just really tried to, um, yeah, stay out of my own head. It, I kind of in under the assumption, like if something's going to happen, it will happen regardless of what I think and how I stress about it. So me and Aaron just decided from very early on to like celebrate every little milestone and every little win and never any, there was a few times I would say things like, Oh, you know, Oh, like if, if that happens or, you know, and I'd use those words and I thought, Oh, that's, that's negative talk. Like I need to be like when this baby comes or whatever. And I think as the, as the pregnancy progressed, um, we got more comfortable with talking about it like it was a thing a that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Initially, we were both a bit weird. But, you know, yeah, again, just um, let those, if you do have those thoughts, which we all do, I think let them come in, acknowledge them, but then, you know, let them leave and try to fulfill your um, mind with something positive and, mm. you know, and what you're grateful for and, you know, 
at, at the end of the day, like at this stage, everything in my pregnancy is going really great. So I just have to keep, um, I guess, thinking that it, it will. Um, I think that's pretty much all I did really, honestly. And the waiting game, I just tried to like keep myself busy, but in a way that's like resting as well. Like I didn't want to overdo myself and go to like, you know, heaps of events and do heaps of stuff, but you know, keep busy. You're not like little projects around the house yeah. or yeah. Keep your mind occupied and try not to just, just be thinking of that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So this is another, um, listener write in. So I would love to hear you guys discuss the relationship if you're up for it of one friend being pregnant while the other is still navigating their trying to conceive journey and how you're remaining sensitive and yet still happy for each other. Bitch. <laughs> that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking me. all day, every day. No, <laughs> I want to be you. No, I'm only joking. No, I think it definitely helps that um, me and Amy have been best friends for like, fuck, like 15, 16 years. I really need oh, to stop swearing. Wow. Gosh, Amy's baby can probably hear it. <laughs> Not Come yet. Soon. It's only 15 weeks. In, a, yeah. in three more weeks, 18 weeks, guys, you can hear. Um, no, honest, to be honest, um, when I was first pregnant and Amy had just found out that she, you know, thought she was pregnant and she wasn't, um, it really broke my heart. It was really hard for me. And so, for, like I said in my episode, I would prefer to be the last one trying to fall pregnant. And I remember my last miscarriage that I had, I think what got me through was you being pregnant mm. and me like, oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh, gosh. Oh. I love it how when you cry, you laugh. I know. Every time. Every time. Laughs. I'm like, are you crying or laughing? I'm like, <laughs> I, I get like. Awkward. <laughs> awkward. Um, I think what got me through was like, I didn't want you for one second, like to not be so excited for yourself because you had taken so long to get to that point. Mm. And so I think that made me feel really strong and positive and like it was going to be okay because like I wanted to project that onto you and to, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to explain, but I, yeah. And I think that that has stuck with me. Like I don't for a second look at you and think like, I can't be around you or, um, yeah, like we've been on this journey together and, um, you know, i freaking feel like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you like I wouldn't be continuing to try and and getting through all these all these hard times so yeah I think having like a really strong friendship helps Mm. um and being sensitive too like I feel like we've both been like we've both been on each of the side of the fence so like you said when I was not pregnant and you were you knew you, you you know you kind of felt a certain way I felt a certain way like never envious or resentful or anything it was just like so like now, my heart just broke for you. Yeah. And I knew that feeling. So I didn't want you – I wanted to, like, help you through that as best as I could by showing you I'm okay and I'm strong yeah. and it's going to be okay. So yeah. because I had experienced that when I was pregnant and you weren't. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And I de- – like, the thing is, like, it's – and it has been so hard because obviously, you know, like, I feel like, you know – you've had so much, you know, devastation and trauma throughout my pregnancy. It's kind of weird though. I feel like when I found out I was pregnant, you actually were going for your transfer that day when I yeah, told you. So like on Aaron's birthday. As much as yeah. like, you know, and then I feel like there's been certain things in my pregnancy that when when it's happened, thankfully, um, you know, it's been we've been in a place we can mm. talk about it. But I mean, there's definitely been things that 
I've never held back from you or anything. I think, but because I think we're, we're so just across sent- each other's st- stages. Like we're side yeah. by side. So like I'm going through it when you're going through it. In yeah, a way, you know? and we just talk all we talk like every day about mm-hmm. random things. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're just we just got to be extra cautious. You know, you know, you know. Yeah. Be, you know, you just be extra cautious of what you say and do. But we we still make funny jokes and we still yeah. laugh about it. And I think, but. I do think you're depending on the relationship you have with that person would depend on how easily, you know, yeah. if you were triggered or not. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. we don't we don't trigger each other. We will. We haven't in the past. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're yeah. But I think that's all. That's at any relationship though. Like it's so much give definitely. and take and and I think the the emotional and the mental state that the people are in as well. Like you know, I feel like I'm in a pretty good. Like you know, obviously, girl, Jara's probably listens to this and is like, no, that's a lie. She's a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking crazy. So, um, no, I think that I'm in a pretty good, you know, state as well. And whenever I get into those low moments, like you're there to pick me up. You're not there to be like, nah, I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So no. I just think, yeah. No. So yeah, and I, that's the thing. I feel like at the end of the day, like my biggest thing is always like, how are you feeling? Yeah, you know? like I've, well, I've, you're not like I'm pregnant. See you later. You're like yeah, you're like, left behind you're, at the start. Eat my line. dust. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's so cute. Like Aaron's always like we, me and Aaron always talk about you, and he's like, babe, when's Sasha having a transfer? Babe, when does she find out? Like we're so invested. Like we like feel like it's like the third person in the relationship. Oh, <laughs> we're like no, just as excited. So. No, yeah. it's really nice to be able to go through this with your best friend um, because, I, yeah, that's why, again, that's why we started the podcast because we feel so lucky to have each other, but people just don't have this. Mm. And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine going through it alone. It would honestly be the hardest thing you've ever had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next one is any tips, this is for both of you, any tips in keeping a healthy relationship with your partner during the trying to conceive journey? <sighs> <laughs> I Crickets, think, no. Uh, no, I think um making the time for you to both have like a little date night or have some quality time together because I think the hustle and bustle of real life like keeps going and the stresses of everything else in life keep going. So I think it's it's nice to take it back to those early days of your relationship and to like do little cute things and and just like I think as a woman as well like we sort of forget about the men because we think like oh we're injecting our bodies and we're going through this and but like they're on the ride with us like on that emotional yeah. roller coaster Putting so it's like us. doing something nice for them as well um, yeah yeah be spontaneous be fun again and i think like talk about it when you need to talk about it. like obviously communication is probably the biggest thing but then in saying that like don't always have to talk about mm. it like i know like it can become so consuming but i feel like sometimes um you know you can, yeah, you can, there's other things and you've got life that are going positive, you know, mm. that you're grateful for. So yeah. you shouldn't always have to talk about fertility. And obviously, um, yeah, the whole sex thing, I guess, just try your hardest to not make it a chore. I know that's easier said than done yeah. again, but you know, at the end of the day, you're two people trying to work towards Try and make goal. it fun, not like, I'm ovulating, let's go, jump me now. Literally. I don't always be like, <laughs> oh, babe, what, like, you get a gauge of when I'm ovulating and kind of like, be like, I'm like, yeah, next week, or like, oh, in the next few days, I'll, I'm going to be ovulating. And instead of me every night being like, babe, let's do yeah. it, he kind of had a gauge to make it a bit exciting and to, not ex- not even exciting, but just to make it less so touring. It wasn't like, let's go in the bedroom yeah. right now and do it quickly. Yeah, your alarm <laughs> yeah. goes off and it's like, oh, time to have sex. Okay, let's go in the room. But look, I'm sure it would get like that eventually yeah. if that was 
you know. Yeah, well, I think, like, when we decided we were doing IVF and stuff, we just, like, stopped having sex for a while because, <laughs> we like, need we needed a break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, not that we needed a break, but, like, I think we were just, oh, I mean, I was taking, like, IVF drugs and stuff anyway, so I was so bloated. And, but yeah. it's nice to not, like, have to, like, I felt, like, anxiety if I would miss a window of opportunity mm. to have sex. And I'd be like, was that the time that we could have fallen? Yeah, is that why like, we fall pregnant? You go crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And I just think, like, my acupuncturist, bless a bloody lover shout out to rachel from vine health um (laughs) but she's always said to me that like your life shouldn't revolve around a baby and trying to have a baby like that should fit into your life and i think a lot of people lose aspects of their relationship and and parts of who they are because they revolve their whole life around trying to conceive a baby Mm. so i just think if you try and do it the opposite way as, as best as you can you're living your life you're still happy and you know doing the things that you and your partner love then i think that's like the key to yeah to it yeah definitely yeah. all right so um what have you both been doing to get your home hormones in balance foods vitamins exercise and also have your partners taken any supplements i mean jara I tell him to take shit and he, I, at one point I counted the tablets and I was like, I know that you haven't taken your Chinese herbs. Oh God, <laughs> he's like a little kid. He's like, I don't like them. They taste great. Honestly, he's like, I'll be fine. I'm like, oh, fuck no. No, but, um, well, the, I guess the stuff that I've been taking is a pure natal for what feels like 700 years. <laughs> I don't even want to know how much I've spent on like prenatals. Wait, that stuff builds up and the baby's <laughs> oh, going to be so, so strong. Oh, I better have a smart baby, like, you know, brain health. But now nah, I've been on a prenatal and I've been on a DHA and choline, which is sort of like a um, potent fish oil. Mm-hmm. Um, my hair and my nails are like loving that at the moment. I also take an iron supplement every second day and I'm on a veggie knack, um, which is meant to support miscarriage and stuff like that. So they're the key things that I take. And I also, um, take a naked harvest greens, which is meant to have two servings of greens. Cause I feel like these days it's so hard to get your fruit and veg intake but it's vital to our health. So, yeah, I take a greens drink. I try and have it every day. So, yeah. I also feel like um, I've been on the prenatal for what feels like 100 years. Um, And, yeah, same sort of thing, just taking the supplements that I've got um, from January 2020, basically, but we've obviously updated them along the way um, from my naturopath. Um, And Aaron's been pretty good. He had, yeah, he's got, like, a list of um, vitamins and supplements that he takes as well. So basically every day What supplements does he take? Like, just like for men's health and you're like, boy shit. I'm like, babe, if you literally just pop your head around there, there's like 45 different supplement containers on my bench. (laughs) And like, I hate how it looks like, but I'm just like, if you know, if they're not on the bench, you don't take them. Yeah. So we put them in the cupboard in this like literal box. And then I was never like, he was not taking them and stuff. So then they're literally on my bench. They'd probably be at least, I reckon Mm. I'm there right now, like at least 15 different containers. Um, yeah, but his is just obviously for sperm health and stuff like that. Because um, we obviously got all our workups done, like, not just hormones and fertility stuff. It was just all in general. So. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm on, like, fish oils, iron, um, a prenatal. But this is all obviously different now because I'm pregnant to what I was on. So, anyway, yeah, we definitely um, have been on 
Supplements. Supplements. For a long time. Sorry, I'm just (laughs) having one of those moments where my brain's just not working. Okay, so next question. How do you deal with the physical changes that your body goes through on this journey? Have you gained weight? And if you, if so, are you struggling with body image? Um, yeah, I, so I used to train quite hard and frequently, I guess. Like I found it was really good for my mental health and it was a good form of release for me. So, um, I used to work out at FitStop, which, um, if anyone goes to FitStop, it's quite high intensity and, um, yeah, it, 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 at the time I loved it. But after starting my trying to conceive journey, I started, I guess, dabbling in the thoughts of maybe that was what could be contributing to my PCOS and my irregular cycles and everything. Because unfortunately, you know, your body doesn't really know the difference between fight or flight. And, you know, back in the day, your cortisol would probably only get that high when you were getting chased by a tiger. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, so I, that is something that, um, my naturopath did suggest to me that I do sort of more like feminine flow exercise, like Pilates and walking and yoga. And at the time I was like, what? No, I can't even fathom just doing that kind of stuff. And then I really took a step back when I started my IVF. Um, so I, yeah, stopped going to I I think it was more of just the pressure that you put on yourself as well. Like Mm -hmm. I liked the way that I looked from working out as well as, and then I I just drilled in my head that if I wasn't exercising a certain amount of days per week that I was, I don't know, I was a slack ass. Yeah. It was like being lazy. lazy. Yeah. So, um, it was a huge battle for me to come to terms with the fact that, uh, you know, just going for a nice long walk is probably better for my fertility journey. Mm -hmm. Um, or just doing a yoga class so yeah since starting the IVF I really I guess took a step back on that on that part of it and um and I started going to Pilates which I actually really really love um and just started walking and doing some home workouts but throughout the phases I think when I was pregnant I was sort of like I didn't give a fuck if I was putting on weight because I was like I'm growing a baby but you know there was definitely times in between my pregnancies and like I guess my cycles and everything where I would look in the mirror and just feel really shit about myself because I didn't have the energy and like the mental strength to like go and do a hectic workout but then I also didn't really want to because I was like oh is this gonna affect you know my transfer or this or that or so um it is a huge battle and I still daily sort of go through those those feelings but I am feeling way more comfortable in my own skin like I've put on heaps of weight this year and I just try and say to myself like I try and look at myself in the mirror and 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 think about all the things that I put my body through and like Mm. how amazing it really is Mm. and like it's yeah. crazy though because I used to look at you and think you look incredible but I know it's the thing it's like you knew what you you looked like and then you see the extra bits of cellulite that weren't there and... yeah and it's like and honestly like I'm not saying that like I don't hate what I look like or no. anything it's just like you know you put clothes on that used to fit you and you felt good in and then now you've got like rolls little, little bits of rolls coming over which like I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put all those clothes away, even like bikinis and stuff. Like I've gone up a size in bikinis, like bottoms and stuff like that. Cause I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, everything's not as tight and tiny as it used to be. So, um, I think just like trying to eliminate those little things 
where you go to put something on or you go to reach for something and you're like, oh, that doesn't fit me and it makes you feel like shit. Yeah. It's like put it put it into a different cupboard. Like know that you're going to get back to that at some point. But I don't know, just like honor your body and, and, mm. and try and really appreciate. Like I think, yeah, I've come a really long way on that journey. Um, yeah, it did. It, it has affected me a lot over, over the months, but I think I'm in a really good place with it now because I just know that, you know, growing a baby my body's going to change so much when I'm pregnant so you know if it changes a little bit beforehand then that's okay yeah I completely agree and I think like again it just goes down to society and stuff and what we are expected to look like and yeah. what we grow up thinking we're gonna look like and even like pregnant and stuff like everyone's like you're glowing I'm like yeah don't I feel, feel like yet. shit <laughs> <laughs> like so grateful but at the same time I'm like I don't feel like I'm glowing and then you kind of look in the mirror and you're like so where's that glow? Oh yeah, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Like I think there's always this expectation put on us by society or by other people and it's never a negative thing. It's just like, yeah, you yeah, what you think you're gonna look like versus what you do look like. Oh yeah. And I remember like I was like, I'm like, do I have saying like babe? And he's like uh, um, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Wait, um, what didn't he say that some call the police because someone stole your ass? That's right. <laughs> Because Aaron's always been more of an ass man than a boob man, which has worked well for me because I'd never used to have any boobs until this pregnancy, which is, that's where I'm glowing my boobs. No. Um, but yeah, I remember he was like, he's like, Rio, Rio, someone call the police. And I'm like, what? He's like, somebody stole Amy's ass. <laughs> and I did, I looked at the- Savage. I know. And I looked at the mirror and he's so true. It's, it's so right because I haven't done squats in like friggin' what feels like six months or something. But I know, like, do get a bit sad about it at times? But then I'm like, like you said, you got to honor your body. Like I'm growing a baby, and prior to that, I was going through a lot of mental and physical stress. So at the end of the day, you're not going to look as good as you did a year or two ago yeah. when you were gymming all the time and eating super healthy and just being this and had the mental capacity. Like you didn't, have, you weren't worrying about all these yeah. other things. So it was like you're worrying yeah. about yeah, what time am I going to the gym and like yeah. what am I going to eat for dinner? Not like oh my gosh, like is my IVF going to work and is this. How, much how am I going to be happy and, today and how, yeah. like, you know, there's so many other things that come into so play. Do you see, like, actually. cut yourself some slack? I know that's, like, obviously easier said than done again, but... Find other things, I think, that mm. fill your cup up like that did. So, mm. I, yeah, I find walking and listening to... But, like, I still am always moving my body, just not as intensely as I yeah. did. So I'm still getting that... Um, endorphin yeah those endorphins yeah but knowing i I think i feel happier knowing that it's way more better for me and my journey at at this current Mm. time so Mm -hmm. yeah that's a wrap guys no more questions oh that's That's yeah yeah Yeah, well if um anyone has any additional questions stemming off any discussions that we've had today then yeah please just reach out to us in the dms and we'll definitely get back to you yeah cool all right thanks guys Bye. Bye. Just a reminder to everyone listening that we see you, we hear you, and that you are not alone in this. Yeah, and just remember, guys, head over to our Instagram at infertilityandbeyond underscore. Send us a message. Let us know what you thought of today's show, and all corresponding links will be in our show notes. All right. Until next time. See you guys. Bye.